Well, good morning and greet you in the precious name of Jesus. It is good to be here. It is thank the teachers for teaching a lesson on wisdom or on Solomon. I had to think of wisdom. This was not wisdom. <laughs> this was, I had the knowledge, but I didn't apply the knowledge. And I, I was not, I mean, I know this is a physical thing. I knew you don't touch hot things. And, well, anyhow, that, that's what happens. It looks worse than it is. But, yeah, I did not apply the knowledge that I had. And I grabbed a hold of a hot shaft and got the results. I would encourage you to stand behind Derwin and his dad and Daryl, brothers, as they work through this next week. Uh, it will be more than next week, but they got a lot of decisions to make and uh, to know what, what is best. So just pray for them, for them as they make these decisions. Um, I know just a little bit, the t time that that tornado went through our place, you got up and you just saw the branches, the roof and the windmill and all that stuff laying around. It was like, where do you begin? You feel so little. And where, you know, and I'm sure that's kind of how Derwin and Daryl felt last night. But it was a blessing to see the neighbors just come together and they dug in and worked. And so let's we be there too to help when we can, where we can, and let them know that we're behind them and praying for them and doing what we can. Anyhow, for a message this morning, I, I have... For a springboard, I'd like to go to 2 Corinthians 3. I'd like to start off there with, with these verses. It is a message that I've been pondering quite a bit and uh, one that I gets to me before it gets to you. But I'd like to start off by reading the first five verses of, of 2 Corinthians 3. Is Paul writing to the Corinthians there? Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some other others, epistles of commendations to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be, Epistles of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Here, Paul, I'm going to take it a little bit out of context that where I drew the uh, where I felt led to go but I was challenged by this Paul here usually in in, the, in talking about being in an epistle he says you are our epistle written in our hearts known and read of all men 
usually back then when when there was someone went from one town to the other they would write letters and send it with them to recommend them to to so they would accept the person and so he was saying does he need to do this they were questioning his authority here and and so he was saying you know do i need one or or what he says you are our epistle written in our hearts known and read of all men that is what got me thinking if i if you read it in in another version it says you are our letter written in our hearts known and read by all men being manifested that you are a letter of christ cared for by us written not with ink but with the spirit of the living god not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts he was saying the corinthians were there were his recommendations by the lives that they lived they didn't he didn't need a letter that was written but it was their lives was that letter and my my challenge or my thought is what kind of letter am i giving to the people around me what are they reading what is the letter that they're reading and i asked what kind of letter are you giving to the people to read is it something a note or is it that christ is dwelling in you is that evident in your life i had to think too of <clears throat> as we were on our trip there was this is i'm not judging or anything i just something that struck me as we were we were going some places where we went or the one area we went there about every two three vehicles came down the road with a boat behind just about i mean it was we soon realized why because there were so many lakes around and then some other areas pretty soon it changed from boats to campers everybody had well, most people had campers pulling behind and it went another area was rafts uh, went from campers to rafts or um, water jets whatever you call them surfboards and all those things all depends where you went it changed and then we were at the grand canyon and uh, then we were i was going back to get the vehicle and it was i don't know what time it was it was in the evening and here there were a group of a family anyhow got off the beaten path and went just in the bushes a little bit and they were facing west no east they were facing east and they were there just had their had a book i don't know what the book was but just in front of their face and just like they were crying i had to think you know all these different what were they what was the message they were sending as we were going through and i had to think if somebody would come into our midst or into our community what would they see what kind of impression would we get it was just just made me think and they probably don't think of it those people that had the boats 
everybody has a boat. I mean, <laughs> not everybody, or the campers. And that's, I'm just, that was a challenge to me as we were traveling. So what kind of letter am I giving the world to see? Is it obvious that the spirit of the living God is living within me? I had to think of Ephesians 4, a couple verses there, just going from there. What kind of letter? That is the title of the message, Letters of Our Lives. What kind of letters are we? First two verses of Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Those were the two were two verses that I had to think of year to walk worthy of the calling that you were called with. God has called you. He wants you to walk worthily, worthy of it. He has called you, and now he wants your conduct to follow. We are to walk worthy. We are to lead a way, or our way of life needs to be in a way that is worthy of the high and holy calling that God has placed on our, our lives. We are to live holy lives. We are to live holy lives. He says, be ye holy, for I am holy. We are to live pure lives. We are to live obedient lives. We are to walk worthy of that calling that he has called us to. We are to be obedient to his word. We are to be submissive to him. And then in Ephesians 5, 2 is another verse that he tells us how to walk. He says, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Here he says we are to walk in love. Live a life of love. When we think of love, we can't help but think of the life of Christ. He lived a life of, of love. He gave himself for us, according to this verse and a lot of other verses. It says, we are to walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for his sweet-smelling savor. We are to live or walk in love as he, as Christ loved us and hath given himself. Going back to verse 2 of of chapter 4 it says we are to walk worthy ye are to as walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness with long suffering we are to be completely humble and gentle according to NIV brings it out that way we are to to with we are to walk with all lowliness or all humility and with gentleness or meekness, with long-suffering, patience, bear with one another in love. Long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. There it says, in love. We are to forbear one another in love. And I had to think of that, you know, just our walk, is, our life is to be a life of love. What a high standard of living he calls us to, to be completely humble and gentle, long-suffering, and forbearing one with another in love.
for bearing, I just wrote the definition down, means to bear with, endure, to tolerate, and then restrain, restraint or control, to refrain or abstain of doing or saying. When we bear with, we abstain or we, we don't, we refrain or abstain from doing or saying things that we sometimes the flesh would want to say. So we are to forbear in love. Our way of life needs to be different than those around us that are non-Christians. It needs to be more than that. It needs to be different because of if we are showing or giving them a letter to read that is Christ within, it will be different than the world around us. And so what kind of letter am I giving? Matthew 5.20. You can turn there. I'm going to take the text. My text is out of Matthew 5. But 520 is, is a verse that says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Our righteousness, our walk, our way of life needs to excel the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Those that taught the law and they made laws to, and then tried to I say tried, they made a show of it and made it look like they were doing everything right, but it was just doing it on the outside. There was no heart or no spirit behind it of, of God. So our righteousness needs to exceed that, not only doing right, but being right, heart right with God and being then doing, not doing and trying to be, but being right with God and then doing. We are to live a life of love, called to walk in love. Christ loved us. He is our best example. And my question is, who are we to love? And I'd like to take the text from, from Matthew 5, 44, no, 43 to the end of the chapter. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven, which is in heaven, is perfect. Basically, the text or the key verse that I want to zero in on is verse 44. <clears throat> But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So who are we to love? We know the first commandment is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind. 
That is the first commandment. The second commandment is, likewise, love your neighbor as thyself. We know that. So we have that. In this summer, in, in summer Bible school, we, one night we had it on respect, and the other night we had it on honor. And we were to honor and respect who? All men, right? And here, in this passage, it says we are to love our enemies. So I'm going to just go from that verse a lot. So we are to love our enemies. Who is your enemy? The definition for enemy is, is someone who hates another and wishes to try or tries to injure let me start over. Someone who hates another and wishes or tries to injure him. Someone who works against you and opposes you openly or behind your back. So that's your enemies. So who is your enemy? Is it the Ukrainians or the Russians or Chinese, China? I don't think so. They might, they might be. But we can say, well, we can love them. They're, they're over there. They, they, don't, they don't really affect us, but if, I mean, yeah, they might be our enemies. But I, I'd like to say it's not them. It's more, let's bring it down more closer to home. Who is your enemy? Who is my enemy? I... I would say, making it personal, when I think of people or who my enemy might be, yeah, first of all, Satan is our enemy. That's the one that we really is our enemy. But so often we turn it to the people that we rub shoulders with. I had to think that's where I would say that we would that's kind of where the focus is going to be that I, I would like to say. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. So when I think of, of those that I rub shoulders with, in our home is where we rub the most shoulders with. They know us best of all. So could it be within your family, your enemies? What about the ones you work with? They can... They know the buttons to push sometimes, and sometimes there's quite a bit of friction there. Or maybe even the ones that are sitting beside you or within this room, our church family. Can they be our enemies? They're supposed to be our brothers, right? <laughs> but the definition of an enemy is someone who hates another and wishes or tries to injure him, or someone who works against you and opposes you openly or behind your back. Anyhow, we know we are to love them. Love those that work against me. I am to, or those I am to love. Those that work against me, or those that work against you. Hopefully, it's not. Maybe you don't have issues with people and maybe enemy is a little bit too strong but that's what scripture says we are to love our enemies let's look at this verse some more so it says them that curse you we are to love them 
any cause of evil or injury. When I think of someone cursing or someone that curses you, I usually think of someone that uses words to curse you or curse at you. People that use words to hurt you, whether it be condemning words or name-calling, belittling, or sarcastic words, sarcasm. Are they... We are to love those people, those that cause any cause of evil or injury, and those people that use words to hurt you. And then we are to love them that hate you, those who have a strong disliking of you or simply don't love you or like you, despise, look down with great contempt. Those that have bad attitudes toward you, we are to love those kind of people. Those that have used words to hurt you, those that have attitudes toward you, and then it says, despite those that despitefully use you and persecute you. Here we have falsely accuse you or constantly harass you to see how you respond. You have anybody in your life that does that? I think probably your mind goes to a certain person pretty quick sometimes. Those who find pleasure in doing things they know will cause problems in your life. Those are the ones that we are to love. Those who spitefully use you and persecute you when their actions are show it even. We don't face a lot of persecution, so to speak, but sometimes by the actions we uh, get it. We are to love these people. You might say, well, they aren't worthy of my love. They don't deserve my love. Well, maybe they don't. But what about you? Do you deserve their love? Do you deserve or are you worthy of their love? I had to think of, am I worthy of God's love? When we think of it, we are to love these kind of people. Every human being is created in the image of God. Every human being has a living soul. And every human being needs the Lord. Whether they are cursing you out, or whether they, are, they hate you, or whatever, they are worthy of your love. We are to love them. When I think of, of am I worthy of God's love? No, we'd have to say none of us are. But Romans 5, I'd like to read a couple verses there. This is what helps me to think about no, not just think about, that I can love others as well. 5 through 11, I think I'll read from Romans 5. And hope maketh not, jumping in the middle of it, hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. 
But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Here we see that Christ, we see Christ's love. When we were without strength, when we were powerless to help ourselves, Christ loved us. When we were ungodly, we did not have a desire for God. We were not desiring godly things. While we were yet sinners, we were constantly missing the mark. Christ died for us. He gave his life. And when we were enemies, we were working against God. He came and gave his son. His son gave his life for you and I. That's what I call love. God showed his love for us, showed us his love for us through his son. We are to love these people to show them God's love. When we love these people, our enemies, those that curse you, those that hate you, when we love them, we are giving them a glimpse of God's love. And we are called to do that. Verse 45 says, of our text says that we are to do that, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. So, think a little bit about love. We have the picture of God's love. We didn't deserve it. We were powerless to help ourselves. We were against God. We constantly missed the mark. We were not desiring God at all. But he loved us. Now, think of love. What is love? What kind of love do you have or are you to have? It's, it's not only just a feeling. It's a whole lot more than just a feeling. It's nice when the feeling goes with that love. But sometimes our, our feeling isn't there when we are called to love. It's not only a choice. It's not only say, well, I'll, I'll love that person. It needs to go beyond that. It's more than just saying it. You need to go on. It's more. Love is a very strong word. A sacrificial love, a giving of oneself for the sake of the other person, regardless how he or she responds or treats you. Regardless how they respond to me or treat me, I am called to give of myself for the sake of the other person. Being committed to the other person or committed to another's eternal welfare, wanting the best, wanting the very best for that person. Is that the kind of love I have for my enemies? For those that chew you out? I said it's a very strong word, and it is. Being committed to another's eternal welfare wanting the very best for that person. This is not easy and not, not the way that the natural man reacts or responds. We look out for this guy, right? 
that's not what God asks us to do. We are to love our, those that respond wrongly to us. Does it mean we overlook sin? Or that sin will go unchecked? That's not, we're not, we love them, but we don't just overlook sin. Love will always be concerned about what's best for the other person rather than what's best for me. Love goes beyond retaliation to a positive love. When I say, when we think of the, of the text here, it says, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. It says that if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Or if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? We are called to a higher standard than just doing what the others do to us. Love, love them if they love us. We are called to go beyond. We are to, even if they mistreat you, we are to love them. It says, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. You know, when, when I think of being chewed out by somebody, when I say, yeah, love goes beyond retaliation or not retaliating. You know, sometimes when, when someone chews you out or curses you out, just not saying anything, you're like, whew, I did it. I mean, I'm just using my own words. But no, we are to go beyond that. We are called to do good to them yet. Bless them. Can you bless them when they're cursing you out? I, when they use words to chew you out, can you use words to bless them? Ones that use words to destroy you, can you use your words to bless them? Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turneth away wrath. You know, sometimes, or depends how you respond, it just mellows them and the cursing stops. Speak good of them. Look for something good when, they're, when you're being chewed out. Can you look for something good and bless them rather than just, yeah, retaliate against them? Encourage them. Can you try to encourage them rather than just standing there and taking it? Can you somehow try to speak something good in it? The other week, I guess it's the other month, before we went on our trip down in, at the conference, John Koblenz was one of our speakers down there, and he used this verse. I remember him from way back. We were new, young Christians at that point, and he was at Millmont, and he used this verse. And he, he used road rage, the same verse, and used road rage. And, he said, if somebody cuts you off and, and then wants to turn off right in front of you, can you bless them? And then down there at minister's conference, he said, 
you know, when you're in a hurry, it seems it's always when you're in a hurry, you come to a red light and the, you're behind the vehicle and light turns green, the guy just sits there and you're raring to go and then you look ahead and, oh, he's on his phone. Can you just bless him? That was a challenge to me again. Can I bless them? Bless them that curse you. Use your words to bless them. That was a challenge. Can we bless them? And then it says, do good to them that hate you. How do we do good to them that hate you? When they curse you, you use words to bless them. When they, when they hate you, you're to do good. How do we do good to them that hate you? goes beyond our words look for ways to show that you care when they hate you or are working against you look for little ways to show that you do care that is extending love it's rather than returning evil for evil little acts of kindness look for little ways to make love real to them Then the last one there, it says, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for the person that is despitefully using you or persecuting you. Pray for his spiritual needs. God knows what he needs and you can pray for them Pray for that person, intercede for them. And then also pray that God would extend his mercy and his goodness to them, that God would not hold this, what he's doing to you, or what he has said about you, whatever, his actions, his attitudes, that God would not hold them, that God could forgive them and not put it to their account. I had to think of Stephen when he was being stoned. What did he say when they were hurling those rocks at him, stones at him? He said, Lord, lay not this to their account or their charge, I believe it was. Can we say that when the words are flying, when the attitudes are flying? Can we pray for them and ask God to forgive them? Then we think of Jesus, of course, when he was being crucified. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can we turn them over to God and allow them to be released? We can pray for peace between the two of us. When there's that friction, can we pray? that there would be a reconciling between the two. One thing, when you pray for them, it will strengthen you or strengthen your love for him. And it will keep you from becoming bitter. You will not become bitter when you are truly praying for that person, that you could be reconciled that we could be reconciled. We will not become bitter toward that person. So let's pray for them. 
Jesus is by far our best example of all these, whether it be blessing them or doing good or forgiving them or, uh, yeah, praying for them. We are to walk in love. We are to love our enemies. Jesus, in, in, even in this passage, he, he was an example of this in carrying it out because he says he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. It's not just one or the other. It's for, he does it for both. So, yeah, can we love our enemies? Walk in love. We need to go beyond what the publicans did in this passage. Only way we can respond like this is by having a close relationship with him, uh, walking with God, walking with him, abiding in him, allowing his spirit to be within. It takes more than you and I got. It takes more than you and I can do. It is Christ in us and allowing his love to flow through us to them. Another thing that I had to think of is, is when we love our enemies, there's no room for hatred. We, we as Christians, or there's no room for hatred in another per, of another person in the Christian's life. Yes, hatred for sin in his life, but not the person because he has an eternal soul. There is no room for hatred in the Christian's life. When Christ dwells within us, his spirit's within us, we cannot have hatred. Can we let the love of God flow through us? If we have hatred, 1 John is clear that we are not one of his when we have hatred for another brother or another person, you could look, First John is loaded with what, what if, you're, if you hate your brother. If you hate your brother, according to First John, you're in darkness and blinded by that darkness. If you hate your brother, if you say you love God and hate your brother, you're not, not of God, you're a child of the devil. That's strong language. If we hate our brother, we abide in death, and we are also a murderer by hating our, our brother. And also, when we say we love God and cannot love our brother, and those that we rub shoulders with or our enemies, we are a liar. Not one of us can look to God's character or nature and learn hatred. Love comes from God because God is love. Can we love our enemies? Important to love our enemies and love one another. Only as we respond out of love to them can we give them a glimpse of the Heavenly Father's love. Is this the letter that you and I are giving others to read? Like I said, this was probably as much of a challenge to me as it is to you. 
I trust you've been challenged and allow the love of God to flow through you to those we rub shoulders with. Let's keep on striving for perfection. Verse 48 says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Let's keep on striving for perfection, our fa uh, for perfection of our Father in heaven. We are to be perfect as, as he is, as our Heavenly Father is, so others can see we are his children. Allow him. Allow us to be more like him, become more like him, striving for that perfection, that complete maturity in him. So let's all stand for a word of prayer. <clears throat>